And welcome to episode 11 of Three Course Politics Podcast. I'm Hills. And I'm Josh. And um, we are back. We are back and better than ever. And this is a pod you do not want to miss. Is that right, Josh? Lots lots of stuff happening. We are back. We apologize for the delay. And uh, thank you, Hills, for putting out a little uh, update. And I believe you made a uh, prediction and if that doesn't hold true, everyone should find you and ask for their $10 back. So I'm going to owe people a lot of money at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's probably actually good that we waited because there was so much stuff that, that broke this past week that um, it's probably good that we have it in the podcast. But, oh, did something yeah. did something happen, Hills? I wasn't um, aware that anything happened. Huh, that's, no, that's strange. No, I think the news is pretty tame this week. But, uh, so the podcast, so we break it up into a dinner, we have an appetizer that we talk about for a little bit, we have an entree is the main topic of the podcast, and then we have a dessert, which can or cannot be something about politics, something short and sweet to end the podcast. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about, in our appetizer, we're going to be recapping the debate a couple of weeks ago, and also doing something very short about what each of the candidates need to do in the October debate. The entree is going to be about impeachment, bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 or Trump impeachment, as we're going to talk about. And the dessert is going to be about uh, Greta Thunberg and all the millions of people um, that she has inspired, because I think that was a good way to end the podcast. Um, are you registered to vote? Uh, are you not sure? It's okay. You can go to vote.org right now. We'll wait. Pause the podcast, go check the registration, come back and finish the podcast because there's an election every year and now is the time to register to vote if you're not sure if you are. Do it now. Do it now. Okay, so Josh has thought of a really, really good pre-dinner shot question for you all. Um, and I, I honestly didn't know the answer to this either, so kudos to you, Josh. Thank you. I also did not know the answer, so... <laughs> And we are guaranteeing that you may not know the answer either, so you're going to want to stay tuned for it. Because your, pre- your pre-dinner shot is coming up next. All right, so here is your pre-dinner shot. The question is, What states and territories use the caucus over the primary format in the Democratic primary that's happening next year? So, what states or territories use the caucus over the primary format in the Democratic primary that's happening next year, starting in 2020? There are seven of them, and some of them are very, very odd and very strange. So if you don't know the answer, you can either wait till the end of the podcast where I'll tell you the answer, or you can pause it now and you can go do a little research and uh, figure out for yourself. So that is your question. All right. 
right, and welcome to your appetizer. So as Hills mentioned earlier, we are going to analyze the debate performance of all 10 of the candidates from September, and we will then do a little preview of what each candidate needs to do in October, and there are two additional candidates that will be joining the stage in October. So Hills, who was on the stage in September? Can you remind our listeners? Of course I can. Uh, I know all 10 off the back of my hand, obviously. It's Klobuchar, Castro, Booker, Beto, Harris, uh, Yang Gang himself, Mayor Pete, Bernie, Warren, and Biden. Yes, all of them were on the stage in September. Uh, It was a pretty crazy night. Uh, Let's uh, go ahead and I'll start with Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar has a very clear strategy. Her strategy is if you think that Joe Biden is not going to hold up to be the nominee then, and you want someone who's more central, then vote for me. I'm from the Midwest and I can build a blue wall uh, from you know Ohio or Pennsylvania to wherever she is in Minnesota. Um, she was fine. She was a little bit annoying. I, I don't think she's very funny. I think she tries really hard to be funny. Um, you know, I I I I don't see her uh, lasting very long. I just don't think that she's connecting like the top frontrunners are. So overall, I thought she was fine. Nothing special. I don't think she did anything that really persuaded any voter to move towards her. I agree with that. I I don't. I think she's a very intelligent woman. I just don't see her as president of the United States. Uh, I mean, maybe as a vice president, if something happens to a president, but not on our own. Um, uh, the next person we have is Castro. Castro took the tact of going after Biden for his age and regurgitating a Republican talking point that Biden is too old to be president and he is forgetting stuff, which, you know, merits on that or not merits that on uh, aside. I thought that was a really low move from him. I don't know what he was thinking of accomplishing he came off as a bully to me, and I think his campaign is starting to struggle a little bit because of the requirements that the campaigns need. I think in October he needs to remind people why he's running, uh, and not just, and also come off not as an asshole. To be honest with you, <laughs> uh, I I really didn't like that from him. I thought that was a really big turnoff. Like you can attack Biden because of his policies, but don't go after him personally because of his age. I think that's a really stupid idea from a Democrat. Yeah, especially when you know that's going to be Trump's attack on Biden. If he's the, the, the nominee, he's going to talk about his age, and you're just giving Trump more uh, fuel for when it comes down to the general election. I'll, I, I'll go back and say that for Klobuchar, I think that in the next debate, um, she needs to be one of those top polling candidates. She needs to be where Pete or Harris are. Um, I don't think she'll get there, but that's what she needs to do. Uh, next is Cory Booker. Uh, Booker had a very strong second debate, and I thought the third debate again. I thought he was fine. You know his uh, his answer on criminal justice is is always good. Um, he didn't have any zingers. Um, you know I, I I thought he was okay. I, I it, it's hard for him uh, just with name ID and everything with a lot of these candidates. You know I don't really see him breaking out. Uh, he's got a good message. You know, I he he just has a problem that a lot of candidates have, where if he has a really good debate, he doesn't see it uh, 
register in any of the polls. I don't ever see him moving up. He's always in like that 1%, 2%, three, maybe 3% range. Um, he did just say today that he was going to be in the race as long as possible. And if there came a time when there was no clear path for him, that he would drop out. Um, so I think we're starting to see some of these candidates start to maybe realize that if they don't make a move really soon, uh, then their candidacy is in trouble. I think that's the case with Castro. I know that he had some aides telling him that, uh, you know, it was time for him to start looking at other options. I think Booker as well as in that group, I think maybe he makes it to Iowa, but I think after the Iowa uh, caucus, I think he's, uh, I think he drops out. I don't think he's making it to Iowa. I think his campaign is, yeah, I think it's too low on cash. And honestly, so here's the thing with some of these candidates. Booker does well in these debates, uh, but his policies, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are the gold standard of progressive policy. So you're not going to beat them on policy. And Booker, Booker, what people, what people liked about Booker and what I liked about Booker back in the day was he was like super charismatic. He was almost like Obama reminder. And I feel like he like started off really poorly and he's trying to remember that, but you have to give reason to people to vote for you. Like why should they choose Booker over Warren or Biden? Not because of the color of their skin, but like as a candidate and the same goes for Beta, which we'll talk about, but Booker at the end of the day needs to show people why he should be president instead of you know, similar policies come out by Warren or Bernie, right? And I don't think he's doing that yet. I don't think he's being up on that stage and having a moment where people are like, oh, damn, like, he's really the guy. I'm electrified by him. Like, he needs to capture that back. And honestly, I think he'll be out in the next, I think he'll be out by mid-November, in my my honest opinion. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, that is a great, idea I, I, yeah that could happen we'll see yeah and um going well, go go ahead yeah no i was gonna say let's let's move on to to beto yeah beto so beto had a really good moment at this debate about guns and i think he really leaned into who he is i honestly like he probably won't win and he already knows that but he leaned into why he's running he he really showed it was you could see it on stage that he like really felt compassion about the issue about guns and about what he do about it and about what he's seen what he's seen in his home state and i think that is the energy that booker needed and i know there might be a slight bump in the polls for beto on that i still think he should run for senate i think he would be a great senator and i actually think he can beat john cornyn i really do especially in a presidential year when you're going to have more turnout and your name id is already in texas i really think he should run for senate I think he'll drop out around the same time as Booker in the next two months or so. There's nothing against Beto that I have. I just think that um, now that the pack has kind of segmented, he he has clearly lost some of that edge that uh, Mayor Pete took back from him. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Uh, speaking of Mayor Pete, let's talk about the, the Yang Gang because that's not that's who's next up, not Mayor Pete. The Yang Gang. No, wait, sorry. Uh, you know what? I want to talk about the Yang Gang Hills. I'll Go you for it. I'll, I'll, I'll cover Harris. All right. Because I have a big old crush on Andrew Yang and the Yang Gang. I love Andrew Yang. Um, you know, I, I, I think he continues to be the most researched candidate every time that he's on the debate stage. He opened up the debate stage, or his uh, opening statement this time was that he was giving more people the uh, $1,000 a month 
for the next however long he's in the race. And everyone went to his website and registered. I did it. You know, I went to his website. I registered. I haven't gotten the $1,000 yet. If you're listening, uh, Mr. Yang, I would still appreciate that $1,000. But um, as far as his debate performance, you know, I mean, he again, he was okay. Uh, you know, his, his, his answer about... Uh, immigration was really good and that his father was an immigrant. The fact that he's up there, that's the American dream. Um, he's, he's just odd. And I think he doesn't really know what he's talking about for a lot of his policies. I don't feel comfortable with him being, you know, the commander in chief or anything like that. Um, I still think he's a smart guy. I think he's got a lot of good ideas. I think he has created a, uh, a, atmosphere in this uh primary to talk about you know bold ideas and you know that the fact that there is an asian entrepreneur who is this far in into the uh into the race as he is and i think that that's great all that being said uh you know i think andrew yang is out before the year the year end um i, I know he's got a big online social media movement i don't know how he's doing on cash i, I don't foresee him continuing to go up in the polls as uh, we move into November and December. So I, I love the Yang Gang, Yang Gang for life, but they, uh, you know, he, he didn't do enough in the September debate for, for me. Yeah, I know he's got a very loyal following, but at a certain point, I think he's either going to need to drop out or, you know, forcefully endorse someone. And I think that's someone to watch who he endorses. But honestly, I know he's got a very loyal following that will follow him to the end. And, I don't know what he. I don't think he's catching on in the debate, so I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, Harris, uh, Harris did I think okay. She was she didn't wow me. She is trying to toe the line. I think of like I'm progressive, but I'm also you know not. I'm also moderate in some of the ways that I talk about things. In her poll numbers, though, she dropped significantly after that first debate where she took took uh, Biden out to task and honestly I think people are starting to segment I think the field is starting to segment uh, you have a top four which are Biden Bernie Warren and Pete and I think she's fallen off and I and I don't know exactly what it is it may be her mixed record on you know being progressive attorney general versus being also enforcing some of the injustices that the legal system uh, faces on on you know particularly you know people and people of color I I, I don't know exactly why, but I think they're just people are choosing their progressive person as Warner Bernie, and they're choosing their non necessarily progressive person as Biden, and I think that just squeezes out people in the middle, and I think Harris is part of that. So I think she really needs to show, like Booker, why she wants to be president, what she brings to the table, and that you know you should be voting for me because I inspire you. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think after the first debate when she basically uh, cleaned Biden's clock, I think like, oh, this is someone who is a serious contender, and then she just hasn't caught on, you know. I think, um, you know, whether people view her as being too mean when she took the Castro approach, whether you know she's, I mean, you know, she had a great start, but I just. Um, you know, for whatever reason, people are sliding into the Biden, maybe Pete Lane a little bit for for uh, moderates, and then the Bernie Warren Lane for progressives, and she just can't seem to catch on. I, I think the big fear that people have is they want someone who can beat 
Trump. And Harris right now just the polls show that in most cases she loses to Trump in, you know, a lot of a lot of states. So I think that's a little bit troubling for her. Um moving on to Mayor Pete. Um I love Mayor Pete. I'm a big fan of Mayor Pete. I thought he did great on the on the debate stage. You know, his his story about coming out uh was really powerful. Um, you know, he stumbled a little bit with race with uh race questions in the past. I thought he handled that well. Um, you know, he continues to make the difference in, you know, his main message is like, I'm young, this is my generation, we need a new set of leaders and I can be that for you. Uh, which is, I think, a good message. Um, I, I think he 100% will be in this race for a long time. I think he's got plenty of money. He's got plenty of followers. Plenty of people support him, want to know more about him. I think he definitely makes it into New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, and uh, beyond. So I think we're. I think Mayor Pete is in is in this race for the long haul. Yeah, I agree with you uh, on almost all the things, and I. Th- think though his polling numbers have been erratic so i think it's really hard to tell i know in the more whiter states he's doing better and but in the less whiter states he's not which is a big problem for him because a lot of the democratic electorate is african-americans they are the most reliable voters in the democratic primaries and honestly he needs to figure out what he needs to do to make inroads with the the African-American community because he's not going to win the nomination without them or without some big endorsement of that. And um, that's what he needs to do going forward. Yep. I was going to say in the next debate, that's what he needs to do is he needs to make the case to the African-American community why they should vote for him. Um, And apparently he'll, he has to win you over too, since you hate him. So hate him. You heard it here, folks. Uh, Hills hates Mayor Pete. So Um, I'm going to talk about Bernie. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Your boy. favorite candidate. Uh, my favorite candidate. I don't dislike his policies. I think it's just him personally that I don't like. But Bernie is competing with Warren in a lot of these polls. A lot of these polls actually have Warren up and have overtaken Bernie. So what Bernie, he has gone, gotten over his little summer slump a little bit. He's trying to, I think his campaign realizes that they need to fight for this. And he's doing a really smart thing by not attacking Warren because he he needs to make sure all these other, in his terms, less progressive candidates drop out of the race first so they can consolidate between Bernie, Warren, and Biden, basically. So I understand that part. But honestly, uh, he's saying a lot of the similar things um, that Warren is. He's I think he needs to do a better job going from emotion to emotion in debate. I mean, he the, the trope is kind of true that he yells a lot. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> and now, I mean, it just presents like a very, he doesn't have like highs and lows. It's just like very steady. And I think in the October debate, he really needs to show this Warren is surging. So he needs to show why people should vote for him over Warren. I don't know what that exactly means, but I think, you know, he's really at risk of losing this out to Warren uh, come the primaries. And but you bet he's going to probably endorse Warren if he loses anyway. Yeah, I think with, with Bernie, I mean, people know what they're going to get with Bernie. People know he's going to talk about the top 1% or 2%. He's going to talk about you need a political revolution. And it's all been it's all been done before. And I think a lot of voters have a negative feelings, whether it's right or wrong, towards Bernie based on what happened in 2016. Um, and, 
you know, I think he's in this race for forever as he tends to be in. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see him doing quite as well as he did in 2016, but we will see. Um, Warren. All right. Hills, maybe you can answer this question for me about Warren. Uh, why does no one attack Warren? Because what shocked me in the debates is that nobody attacked her. Joe Biden did a little bit about health care, and then, you know, that was kind of it. And Warren is so smart that she can just kind of, you know, you know, just bounce her way out of stuff without really having to answer for some legitimate questions like her, her Medicare plan. Is it going to raise taxes on middle, uh, on, on middle income people? You know, is, is it on the middle class? Is that going to happen? And she, you know, kind of dodges around the question and then just kind of moves on and no one holds her accountable. So I don't know why people don't attack her more. It's a little bit surprising to me. They will why now. No they certainly will now. Yeah, well, they're going <laughs> to have to now. Um, you know, Warren is Warren. She continues to be great. She continues to draw massive crowds. Uh, she, she, she continues to, uh, you know, go up in the polls. I think the more people hear about her, the more that they like her. Um, I think she's a very strong candidate. I think she has a real chance at winning the nomination. Um, I, you know, I think in the next debate, she has to be ready for people to, to come after her. And she has to be ready that people are kind of realizing that if I go after Joe Biden, it's not going to work. If I go after Warren, who's, who is number two right now in a lot of the polls for who candidates want, maybe I can knock her down, build myself up, um, so she has to be ready in October for people to come after her because they certainly will. And if they don't, they'll, they're will they stupid. So, I think you made a great point there. And people are certainly going to come after her in this next debate. And the last but not least, uh, we have Biden. So Biden is getting some, some, uh, some competition from Warren. And I think he performed well in the first half of the debate. And then he started, I don't know what happened to him. I think he like maybe got tired. I don't know what happened. But he kind of petered off in the second part of the debate. And so what Biden needs to do is he needs to reclaim his front rudder status. He needs to be sharp. He needs to be crisp. He needs to be coherent on all his answers. He needs to be ready and prepared. Honestly, this is Biden's primary to lose right now. And if he continues to have mixed performances, Warren is only going to rise. So I think Biden needs to, A, make sure he's clear and concise, B, advocate for what he believes and not necessarily tear down everyone else, but to advocate that he his policy is the best reason why we should be choosing him and why, right? You know, he doesn't right. need to dismantle Medicare for all, but he should be saying, okay, that's a nice thing, but here's why mine is better right now for you. That's what he needs to do. Um, and honestly, he has this connection with people, uh, a certain electorate in this country, and that's not something to shake your head about because he can connect with them. But that's what he needs to do. It's still his race to lose. But Warren is coming up in second. And honestly, Warren may end up winning a couple of these early primary states and may come down to between him and Warren. Yeah. You know, I think the first half of the debate was some of the best we've seen of Joe Biden. He was sharp. He knew what he was talking about. He was ready to go. And then, you know, he had the whole record player you know, fiasco. And um, it was good in the last debate to see him towards the end being like, you know, when they said holding his time was up, he's like, no, I'm gonna keep going. Like, that's good. I want to see that from Joe Biden, but not the way that he did it. Um, talking about, I don't even know what he was talking about anymore. Um, 
But yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it comes down to him and Warren are the two big contenders, and he's got to be careful. I think he's he's starting to realize, you know, that this is not a walk in the park for him. This is not something that he's going to walk into. He's got to be ready to fight for it, and uh, you know, that's that's the way it is. And you know, hopefully, he's ready for it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, there you have it, folks. That is your brief rundown of all the candidates, how the last debate went, and what to do moving forward. Anything else, Dad Hills? No, no. I think uh, it went a little bit longer, but honestly, I think that was that was really good, and um, we have we have some fun coming up for your entree. Oh wait, I should add one thing before we before we go. I should add that in the October debate, uh, you're going to have Tom Steyer has qualified for that debate, as has Tulsi Gabbard. They have both qualified for the October debate. So the DNC has said they're that they're going to they're still going to do one night with twelve candidates. I don't know how that's possibly going to work. It's a really stupid idea. They should just do two nights of six different candidates. But those two those two candidates will maybe making the their uh, debate performance or their debate yeah appearance in October. Tulsi Gabbard will be back up there. Tom Starley will be up there for the first time since announcing. Maybe their last. Yeah, it'll be the definitely last time. Hopefully. Oh, God, I hope so. All right, now the entree. (laughs) All right, everybody, here's the moment you've been waiting for. We have impeachment, what we're calling here at Three Course Politics, Trump-peachment. Josh, how ready are you? Bills, I've been ready since January 1st, 2017. I've been ready since November 6, 2016. <laughs> right? I think that yep. was the date. The date the date that the horrible date. Alrighty. So we're here and we have the House of Representatives are is launching an impeachment inquiry. So let's back up for a second. Let's take you through everything that happened because I honestly needed to think about everything that happened to lead us up to this point. So Trump has committed a bunch of stuff and I you know Aside from all the other impeachable offenses he's done, we're going to focus on the Ukraine matter (laughs) explicitly. But I'm sure the other stuff like profiting from his businesses, all this other stuff is going to come up. But what happened? So Trump is a moron. (laughs) Trump is a moron. That's number one. So right the day after Robert Mueller wrapped up his investigation, he got on the phone with Ukraine's new president. I'm not going to pronounce his name because I don't remember it. And I also probably can't pronounce it and he asked the ukrainian president to dig up dirt on biden and biden uh, was the point on ukraine during the obama administration and when russia basically invaded ukraine and biden was point on i guess dealing with all ukraine issues biden's son hunter who is still alive did some work in ukraine doesn't look good but it has already been investigated and everyone is cleared of wrongdoing so Biden, uh, Trump basically asked the Ukrainian president to dig up dirt on Biden, and that's illegal because Biden is a political uh, opponent, and Trump is asking a foreign entity to dig up dirt for his re-election purposes. Done and done. So uh, that's very illegal. And he also came, it came out that he held up uh, aid that was earmarked, earmarked for Ukraine, and Congress people were told that it was an interagency process or there were some bureaucratic delays but actually uh trump asked and mick mulvaney which is trump's chief of staff 
basically told them to not give aid unless Ukraine basically agreed to dig up dirt on Biden for Trump's election purposes. So we held up aid to an ally and covered it up. Um, and so all this stuff came out and a lot more Democrats in the House came out for impeachment. And Pelosi, who has been resistant to impeachment this entire time, basically had her hand forced. She had no no choice but to launch an impeachment inquiry because a lot of her members, there was an overwhelming amount of her members, I would say almost 85 to 90% of them, if not more, endorsed impeachment. So she had to do this. But she did it also really uh, intelligently where she didn't actually have them hold a vote. So none of the members have to be on record about supporting or not supporting. She basically took that vote away from them and just said, we're going to be launching an impeachment inquiry. Josh, what are your thoughts? All right. Well, we should uh, add for a little geography segment here that Ukraine is right next to Russia and uh, Vladimir Putin loves to get his hands on the Ukraine. So when Trump says to the Ukrainian president, uh, I, I'm not going to give you this money, this military aid until you dig up on uh, dig up dirt on Biden or his son. Uh, that's a huge problem, and that's something, and that's you know an unimpeachable offense. Uh, that's essentially treason in a lot of ways. It's a high crime and, and a misdemeanor. It, it checks off all the boxes. Um, currently, there are, in the House, there are as of yesterday. Uh, there are 224 Senate, or sorry, 224 representatives that are for impeachment, which is more than we need to get done. We have to have 218, I think, um, in order to we have to have just a simple majority in order for the House to impeach him. So we're at 224, which is 223 Democrats and one Independent. Uh, you have 143 uh, Republicans who have said no, they don't know. You have 12 Democrats who said. That they are to have said no or are undecided, and you have 55 Republicans who have yet to respond. So that number could go up; it probably will go up, um, at least a little bit. But Pelosi has the votes to uh, for the House to impeach Trump, and you know, based on just just based on what happened to the Ukraine, I think uh, it's the absolute right call. I think so too. I think this is a long time coming. I honestly think they could have started impeachment, the impeachment inquiry months ago, and this could have been the straw that broke the camel's back, and we would have been at a, a vote already, honestly. But better late than never. But also, let's take one more step back. And what is impeachment? So the process is called the impeachment impeachment process. That's the overall process, right? It's, the, it's in the Constitution, and it's the, the means to remove an official from office that's in the government. It's, a, it's, a, it's the way that government removes officials in this country. Okay? So the first part is actually called impeachment, and it's all by the House of Representatives, which basically, if, if someone is impeached by the House— it's basically the charges that are filed. It's they're not they're not criminal charges. That's separate. That's a whole separate thing. These are these are all political decisions. So when we're saying the House is going to impeach Trump, that doesn't mean Trump is going to be removed. That basically means the House has found Trump guilty of these specific acts. Okay, 
So you can be impeached by the House, but not removed. Think about Bill Clinton. The House found Bill Clinton guilty of some of the things that he did. But he wasn't removed by the Senate. So you can be impeached, but not removed. That's a really big distinction. And it's a little confusing because people use the term impeach as like the whole thing. The second part is removal, where the Senate the Senate votes for removal of the person from office. So if the Senate, and you need two-thirds of senators, so if the Senate does not vote to remove the president, the president is impeached, but that doesn't mean they're removed. They're still in office and still in power. So you need both the House to, to file these charges called impeachment, and then you also need the Senate to remove that official afterwards. And all these are really political questions because it's a political vote at the end of the day. So when you hear about impeachment, there are two, pro two steps to it, and they're all called the impeachment process. Does that make sense? I think it makes complete sense. I think, you know, people may assume that as soon as Trump, like, oh, Trump's getting impeached, we're going to have President Mike Pence. You know, uh, uh, that's not the case um, at all. We... And the reality of the situation <clears throat> is that Trump's not going to – I don't think – I know Hills, we differ on this a little bit. I don't think Trump is going to, to get uh, impeached at all. I, you know, I think that right now there are 45 members um, of, uh, of the House that identify as Democrat. You have two senators that, uh, you know, that identify as independents, Bernie Sanders, Angus King – both will side with Democrats. So we're at 47 right now. So let, let's say that, that the House does go ahead and decide that they're going to call for impeachment and they vote. They, you, already, you, ha, you, you already have enough representatives. So the House has voted to impeach. Now we go to the Senate. There are 47 senators in there, most likely, who are Democrats, who will hopefully vote for impeachment. You know, maybe Joe Manchin doesn't come through for us. Um if Doug Jones is still there, maybe he doesn't come through. Who knows? But you've got 47 senators who, let's say they all vote yes. You need 20 of the remaining 53 um, Republican senators to come up and say, yes, uh, I vote for impeachment. That's what has to happen for Trump to be removed from office. The, the Republican Party in the years Trump has been in office has shown – no ability to call him out, to differ from him, to say what he's done is wrong. And therefore, I have no hope that even five members of the Republican Party will come out for impeachment. I just don't think it's going to happen. I Now, that all that being said, I think it's worth doing. I think that it's a smart thing to do. And I will get in a little bit later about, you know, uh, some of the stuff that's going to happen in the upcoming months. But I want people to get their hopes up and say – because the House is calling for an impeachment inquiry that, and the House has the votes, that it will go to the Senate and the Senate will operate the way that it should. In a normal functioning democracy, I think impeachment is guaranteed. In this U.S. Senate, uh, nothing is guaranteed. Well, yeah, let's, I think we should talk about this for a little bit, and I can tell you how wrong you are. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I will probably end up the one being wrong. Um, I think you make a really a lot of good points there because we haven't we haven't seen any any movement of the GOP to actually do any of their responsibilities or be decent people, right? 
But I think this I think this is going to happen a little bit differently. I think it's going to be a little bit of a slow burn. Um, I've heard reports that the de- Pelosi wants this done by like the end of the year or something, which I don't understand about that. But anyway, uh, I think there could be more and more Republican senators that as this thing goes and the and the the gun starts smoking a little bit more, I think we're going to learn a lot more about a lot of things soon. Especially because now that these the impeachment process has happened, I think subpoenas have a different legal power to them a little bit. And I think there's going to be a couple of defect. We may never get to the point of 67 senators are ready to remove Trump from office. But I think the, there's a lot of unknown about what Trump has done so far, and that's being held up. And I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of these 2020 senators that are up for re-election, the GOP ones, end up flip-flopping a little bit. And I think there could be some quiet buildup to maybe more GOP senators than you think um, for Trump to be removed from office. Again, I mean, it's it sounds a little wacky, right? That 67 cent that 20 GOP senators would rebel against Trump in an election year, remove their candidate. <laughs> Right. And then replace their candidate. Well, I'm, I'm talking about this. It sounds less and less true. But I think we're going to see some wobbling from some people soon. And honestly, you know what? If you're an optimist and you believe that the world will write something at the end of the day, this is, this is your time to believe that Trump will be removed from office and Pence will be president. And then it'll be a 2020 election um, with Pence as the GOP member. I don't know. I think... I think we have yet to see some stuff happen, but I think it, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And Hills, I think it is entirely out of the realm of possibility. (laughs) (laughs) And you're probably right. And, you know, I I just, (laughs) as I look and I think about, you know, Republican senators that, I mean, I think you make a good point. I don't think any Republican senator wants to or anyone who's up in 2020 wants to have their name right put on uh you know on on, on a vote of should president trump remain in office i don't think anyone wants to do that i mean people who i think are are capable of flipping just as i look through the list now you know cory gardner is a very vulnerable senator if he wants to you know maybe uh try and come off as more moderate you know you could be him Maybe you have someone from from Georgia. The guy up in Georgia is David Perdue, so maybe you you have him. Um, you know, I <laughs> maybe Rand Paul comes through, but probably not. Uh, maybe Susan Collins. You know, that's that's four senators. I, I mean, maybe who was uh Ben Sass said something like Republicans shouldn't be so quick to dismiss all this. So now I've got five. You had to admit Romney in there. I'm at six, you know, so maybe you've got like six, six candidates or six ones that I can think of right now who would flip. Right. And that still only gets us to 53. You know, I, I just, I just don't see it happening. And also, frankly, I would not be shocked if Joe Manchin voted no. It wouldn't surprise me if Joe Manchin is, is not, a friend to lots of Democrats uh, in lots of different times. Um, maybe I'm just the optimist. I mean, I'm just the pessimist here. Again, I, I, I think it's really good. I think it's a great thing that it happened. I, I just don't 
want people to get their hopes up and thinking that it will actually lead to something when I don't think it will. No, you make a good point. You make a very good point. Um, but we, I mean, count it, Ben Sass has never done anything, uh, anything noble in his entire U.S. Right. Senate career. So, uh, and he's a senator from Nebraska who talks a big talk about civility and stuff, but then votes for the GOP, I would say, 99.9% of yeah. the time. Yeah. So I, that's who you know, he is. I just want to All say right, so, one more thing. I think yeah. if this were a normal, you know, like, I think like the 80s or the 90s, you know, I, I think that this would be a different case. Right. However, given that it's, you know, 2019 and people are scared of a Trump, the, the base of Trump who will who will, you know, come out and and not vote for them or whatever. I, I don't see it happening. You know, I am happy to be very, very wrong if it does happen. And we get to I just think uh, Trump, I just have this image of Trump being marched out of the White House or out of the Capitol. Oh, man, that would be. That would be the best. I will watch that on repeat. Oh, I will not go to work the the next day and and just watch that. You know, but there there could be. I think I think we have to see what comes out. Obviously, things change, but I do like that the Dems have captured the narrative here. Republicans are playing defense. They're like they have, and they're also their talking points. Like I was watching CNN the other day, and this guy like clearly wasn't prepared to go on CNN, and um like a Republican congressman and like their defense about all this is just so bad. It makes no sense. And then when you talk about, they always talk about like, well, Biden's son was doing stuff uh, around the world when Joe Biden was vice president. Yeah. The appearance doesn't look very good. And Hunter Biden probably shouldn't have done that, but a, he did nothing illegal. And B you have the two Trump sons running around doing business deals while their father is president and probably with knowledge of all these things. Right. So like, so like, and then when they bring that up to these Republican uh, congressmen, they just kind of don't even say anything about it. And it's like, okay, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Here's where your moral, your moral, um, uh, your so-called moral high ground goes to waste here. So, um, yeah. But okay. So like, what's next in this process? Like, what? Do, where do we go from here? Dems have to do some digging. They have the subpoenas are going out. They are going to subpoena everyone and everything they can. And honestly, when people refuse to comply with subpoenas, they should take serious action, whether that means jail time, whether that means anything. I don't know what that means, but they should make the subpoena. They should put some teeth on those subpoenas if they, you know, because you can you can say no to a subpoena, but it takes a little while for that legal action to catch up to you. So they have to do the some subpoenas digging. are hot off the press. They are, they are fresh off the press of wherever subpoena comes from. Um, and then I'm hoping, I don't know why Pelosi want, doesn't want to drag this out a little bit more. We Because dragging, I, I, we're going to have lots of hearings. And I, I really think Pelosi should drag this out more because the more, A, we're a year from the election day, more or less, a couple, a month or two, right? So things in this media environment since Trump has been in office it's been a scandal a week right it's been the new the flare of the week but this could be a really constant thing that people are exposed to and again we don't need to convince every single republican not to vote we need to convince some of them a to vote for a democrat and the other people to stay home which i think you can totally do by exposing everything trump has done to these people who still believe in trump i think it's entirely you should have tons and tons of hearings put in the news every day make trump on the defense 
make this the thing that people talk about all the time and show what he's done, show what the implications are, and show how it hurts the people he's supposed to, that he's supposed to saying that he, he supports. Yeah, I, I think, I think that is, I think that's great. You know, I, I think that you're absolutely right. Not only do you make people, because the, the reality of the situation else is that we are never going to convince, you know, people who are going to these rallies, who are chanting out, you know, build the wall, lock her up. We're never going to convince those people to vote against Trump. But when Trump won the woman vote in 2016, by dragging out these hearings, you can play on that and you can make some of those some of those women who voted for Trump to either say, you know what, I, I just voted for Trump because I wanted to see what would happen. I didn't like 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 Hillary, you know. Um and maybe I'm, I don't I don't love Joe Biden, I don't love Warren, so I'm just not gonna go and vote. I'm just not I'm just I'm not gonna do it today. That's good for us. Or if someone says, you know what, I voted for Trump just to see what would happen. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because he brings us back to a sense of normalcy. Great. That's that. That's great for us too. The more information that comes out, the more that um, you know, we know about Trump and the ammo that we can use in 2020. I think the the better. I think this also affects down ballot races. You may have some Republicans who are in dicey areas like you know Colorado or Maine, just to name a few. And they don't want to be affiliated with, with Trump while he's going through this impeachment. When it comes out, you know, that he did this or did that, and I think you're right, we're going to have a lot of news coming out here over the next couple of months. Um, they don't want to be involved with that. And so, you know, they're not, they don't want Trump to come to Colorado or Maine to help them out. They don't want any of that, right? So I think that, that that's also good. Um this is a good thing. I mean, it, it, if, if anything else, it just tells people, it tells people no matter what party you are a part of, if you are going to, um, if you are going to break the law and uh, commit crimes and treason, that there are people there to hold you accountable. Um, so I, I think this is good. I'm very curious to see how all this plays out and Dems have to remain strong. Uh, Democrats sometimes have a uh, maybe an unfair or maybe a fair uh, perception or view of being weak, right? You've got to be strong here. You've got to hold people accountable. You've you've got to move forward. And I think some of the new members of, of the Democratic Party will help Pelosi. Uh, in I mean, finally, someone's holding you accountable, right? right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. right, right. I mean, this is this is you're you're exactly. This is a great thing. I mean, finally, finally, he's getting some. He's like, uh, you see how fast he released all those transcripts, which, by the way, is pretty damning. <laughs> but like, he released all those super fast because he's like, oh come on, I wanna. Can we just figure this thing out? And it's like, no, sorry, you you did something really bad. Like you can't just get away with this. Like you did everything the entire your entire life. Right. Um. So. You know, GOP voters will hopefully turn or stay home as long as this is drawn out, um, even if it doesn't end in his re removal from office. I certainly think he's going to be impeached by the House, and so he'll have that. But I really think we're, we have to use that moment in the right way because if he gets impeached by the House and says, I was impeached, but I didn't do anything. See, the Senate found me not guilty. That can help his reelection. So we have to make sure the moment 
those moments are done the right way politically. He should be impeached by the House and removed by the Senate. He should have been done. They could have done this in March of 2017, and they could have been done with him. That would have been the easiest thing to do, but the Republicans decided not to. Right. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, and I, I, I was going to say. Sorry, I was, I was going to say. Well, when I, when I actually think else, I, I think that in 2020, this is only going to help the Democratic base, right? The Democratic base is looking for someone, or, or you know, Dems in 2018 went out to these more progressive areas and said, I am going to hold the president accountable. That's what I'm going to do. And Dems have finally done that in the House. So it's pretty safe that the Dems retake the House. It's going to energize people. Uh, I, I, you know, it's a great thing. You know, I'm very curious to see how all of it plays out. But I think there was this worry that, oh, you don't want to energize Trump's base. Trump's base is energized no matter what. You know, Trump's base will be energized whether he was impeached or not. So you might as well try to try exactly. to energize your own base and try to get them to uh, to come out and vote and just outperform his base. And I think that's why it was smart to go through with the impeachment. Yeah, it's going to happen anyway. So it might as well happen now, right? <laughs> right? Um, and it's so far out anyway. I think this is a good decision. Uh, I hope we get Trump impeachment. Uh, it's a reserved copyright of Three Course Politics podcast, Trump impeachment. You heard it here first. Uh, Josh, do you have anything else you want to say about Trump impeachment other than, um, you know, I hope Trump uh, goes down in a fiery, fiery, fiery mess? I just hope that when Trump gets uh, removed from the White House and he asks for Melania to give him his hands, they can hold hands as they leave. I hope she swats his hand away and says, no, Donald, I'm leaving. She should have done that years ago, honestly. Uh, Okay. Trump impeachment is, uh, we think we've covered that for a time being, and this was probably the first of quite a few episodes we'll cover about it. Uh, Are you ready for some dessert, Josh? Yes, let's let's lighten the mood and give people some hope for the future. All righty, you made it to your dessert, Uh, although the, the entree was pretty sweet itself. In terms that we have impeachment, so the le- I want I want to talk about Greta Thunberg. She, for those who don't know, she is a 16 year old Swedish girl, and about a year or more, a little bit more ago, she started sitting outside of the Swedish Parliament building in Stockholm uh, to protest the inaction on climate change. Uh, in her view, um, which you know is not wrong, that. What's the point of going to school? What's the point of doing all this stuff if the climate is going to change and we're going to be in really bad shape, right? So she started sitting outside of the parliament building every day with a white sign that says, uh, translated in English, like, school strike for climate. And it has caught on among the youth, uh, among youth and adults everywhere. She was at the UN this past week and gave an impassioned speech about how she shouldn't be there how the adults in the room are not mature enough to tackle the, the, the crisis of, of what climate change is. And, you know, millions of people around the world, I think it was like 7.6 million after this whole week, uh, went out to the streets. There was, you know, 250,000 or 300,000 in New York. There was over a million people in Germany uh, on the Friday the 20th. There were 
um, there was over a million people in Canada on Friday in Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver, um, all protesting about the inaction about climate change. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, there's hope, there's hope. And it's not, we shouldn't be abdicating our responsibility as adults, but also it's really, I don't, at 16, you can sure as bet, you know, I was into politics, but I wasn't out there, you know, telling truth to power like it is to uh, real diplomats. <laughs> not even close to doing that. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty inspiring. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen her speech yet, uh, please do so. It's incredible. It's inspiring. It gives you hope for the future. Um, it, uh, and I was not alive during the time period I'm about to mention, but people have linked it to what was going on with uh, Vietnam, uh, with all the protests going on in Vietnam. Um, I wasn't around then, so I don't know if that's true or not, but I will say that I can see the resemblance, right? I can see how it would, people would make that, that connection. Um, you know, it's pretty uh, pretty ballsy for uh, for a 16-year-old to sail across the ocean uh, and then get in front of the UN and basically call them out for their shit and say, you know, you're you're disgraceful, um, you know, you're robbing me of my future, um, and I, I hope people listen. I you know, climate change should not be a questionable thing. It shouldn't be a does it exist. That, that shouldn't be an issue. It, it, the issue should be, what are we going to do about it? Because it is, you know, it is happening and it is something that people need to uh, pay attention to. And, you know, I, 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 you know, she's an inspiration. I commend her for uh, what she did. And I hope people listen. I hope people take action. I agree with you. I mean, yeah, climate, we have, we know what we need to do. We need to stop using fossil fuels, right? I mean, the car companies need to make more electric cars. We need to reform our energy grid where, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know all the details, but like, yeah, the, your gas stops may take a little bit longer to recharge your electric car, right? But I'm sure there are ways to have faster charging stations. But we need to, you know, if you, if you have an electric car, there are no charting stations in the middle of the country. There are gas stations everywhere, sure. But we need to reform the entire way that we live. And I think it's very possible to do that. But you obviously have Donald Trump in, in power, in the United States at least, that is not going to do anything. Is actually, like, very buddy-buddy with, like, producing more fossil fuels. So we have the, we have the solutions, and I thought it was really nice. Um, I, I agree with Josh. Please watch her, her speech. Um, and also, you know, if you believe in, if you believe that she's right, which we do, go call your representative and tell them to do stuff. <laughs> your mayor, your congressman, whatever, anyone that represents you on whatever level of government, you have the power to do it. So I thought that was a really good, sweet dessert. To, well, the con the topic is not sweet, but the fact that she's <laughs> doing something I thought was nice. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well. Let's give the people what they want. Let's give them the answer to the uh, pre-dinner shot that I asked at the beginning of the show. Okay, so uh, here, we, here we go. The answer to your pre-dinner shot. In case you forgot, the question was, what states and territories use the caucus over the primary format in the Democratic primary that's going on next year? I told you there were seven different options and here they are the first two you probably know iowa has a caucus and nevada has a caucus 
so those are two of them. The other states that have a caucus are North Dakota and Wyoming. So all those Midwest, Western states, they have caucuses. There are three more territories that have uh, a caucus as well that don't get to vote in the presidential election, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, you've got the American Samoa. They have a caucus. Guam has a caucus. And the U.S. Virgin Islands also have a caucus. So the seven different areas, once again, are Iowa, Nevada, American Samoa, North Dakota, Guam, Virgin Islands, and Wyoming. I noticed that uh, New York was not on there, Hills. That's a little disappointing. New York does not have a caucus. We have a we have a regular primary. Uh, we vote. You know, it's so easy. Yeah, uh, Maryland is is the same way. Caucuses are weird, but whatever. I guess it's all about tradition. Honestly, they should. I understand the value of a caucus, but it's very. It's not a twenty first century thing, to be honest with you. It's it is definitely not. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, but, I, I would have not guessed Guam and American Samoa. I mean, you, and of course the Virgin Islands, I, you got me on those. I wouldn't even, I got Iowa, Nevada, and that was it. Yep, that's what I got too. And I was like, there have to be more. Because I, I figured there were some ones out west, like North Dakota and Wyoming, that did it. But I did not know the actual states. And I sure as hell didn't know American Samoa, Guam, or Virgin Islands. So, um, we, we like to challenge you here on the Three Course Politics Podcast. I like to expand your uh your your knowledge uh so um speaking of 21st century things uh that are that are relevant is this podcast so i want to thank you guys for listening uh to the podcast we really really appreciate it um as always please continue to tell your friends uh spread the word uh you can if you want to share this episode on social media that would be excellent uh, if you want to donate to us, you can go to the info section on the episode that we're listening to. And uh, any questions, please email us at threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. Yeah, I uh, please subscribe. As Josh said, please subscribe. Every subscription helps, and you get our uh, fresh pod in your feed. Um, the intro and the outro music is by Brett Hillsberg. And again, if you have questions, you can always email us. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode today. Yep. And we will talk to you guys uh, in the next week or so. So bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.